0: Oh God, we are in a war. When will the shackles fall? When can we plant that tree of peace? Or have you already planted it? Embarking on this uncharted journey together, Holy Father, through the mighty Holy Spirit, let Holy Scripture inform our minds and guide our lives, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. This summer I read Eric Metaxi's highly acclaimed brand new biography on Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Have you heard of Dietrich Bonhoeffer? Bright, young, Lutheran, pastor, theologian, writer, tragically executed at the age of 39, just before the end of World War II. 600 pages long. Title of it, You Would Be Blessed, Bonhoeffer. I've read several biographies of Bonhoeffer over the years, but I must tell you that Metaxe's treatment of his life does something no other biography has done, in that it draws the reader into the sea change. Surrounding Adolf Hitler's political rise in Germany in the 1930s. And you can't help but wonder. How could an entire nation be duped into excoriating. And seeking to eventually exterminate a race of people. It is utterly beyond our comprehension. And yet. And I. I. I, I speak this only as an aside. I must tell you that I worry over the way some Americans are being whipped up into a frenzy over the Muslims in our midst. To the place I read just this last week, there is an American pastor who on the anniversary of September 11 is going to burn a stack of Korans. How could a peace-loving people like the Germans, be drawn into such a terrible and tragic war. The life of Dietrich Bonhoeffer is a, is a response to that tragedy. A life snuff, snuffed out at the end of a hangman's noose, as I learned through Metaxis. Other biographers have not caught this. By direct order of Hitler himself. Three weeks before his, his prison camp was liberated by the Allies near the end of World War II. War. We are a generation, not the baby boomer generation, not the GI generation. We are a generation now steeped in war. Iraq, maybe Iran, Afghanistan, Pakistan, North and South Korea, the Sudan, Somalia, and the list goes on and on and on. And yet nobody today is talking about the most deadly war that has drawn all of us into its dark vortex. The series we begin together right now is bookended by that war. So pull out your Bible. Open your Bible with me, please, to what was supposed to have been a happily ever after story of a new planet and a new race and a brand new divine human venture. It was supposed to have been, but then there was war. Open your Bible to the book of beginnings, the book of Genesis. If you didn't bring a Bible, grab the Pew Bible in front of you. You need to track this one, sir, madam. Pull the Pew Bible out in front of you. It's an easy page. Page two. If you're a freshman and you have received your brand new Andrew Study Bible, I'll give you the page number there. No, you don't need a page number. I hope you bring your Andrew Study Bible every single piece of this puzzle that we put together this new season. Genesis chapter 3. Let's take a look at it. Genesis chapter 3. You can't believe it. Here it is in the book of beginnings. We have one line in Genesis 3 that intrigues us, but we need to run on to that line. So let's pick it up in verse 13, please. Genesis chapter 3. This is the New King James Version. The, Andrews, the brand new Andrew's Study Bible is the New King James Version. Any translation you have is fine with me. I'm just glad you brought your Bible. Let's go. Let's pick it up uh, in verse 13, Genesis 3. And the Lord, this is right after the meltdown at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, all right? The moral meltdown. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me. And I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, verse 14, Because you have done this. You are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. And on your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And here comes a line now. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. The pre-incarnate Christ is speaking these words, by the way. This is Jesus, the one who would become Jesus. And what has he just done? He's just declared war. I am declaring war, he pronounces. Three paces into the brand new story. And we're in war already. That point is so critical, this this business of God himself declaring war, that I need you to pull your worship bulletin out right now. Would you pull your worship bulletin? You're brand new here and you say, say, uh, why do I need to go to the worship bulletin? Because inside of the bulletin is a study guide. Pull that study guide out of your new bulletin you didn't get a study guide, we got uh, friendly ushers who are coming your way. You want the study guide for what's on the backside. The backside is what's important on this study guide. If you didn't get a study guide, hold your hand up. You're in overflow, hold your hand up. In the balcony, hold your hand up. Everybody gets a study guide today. And we're delighted to have those of you who are joining us on television. I hope this, this brand new series will stir your soul as well. Let me give you our website, and then you can get the same study guide that we have. Put it on the screen for you. There it is, www, you see there at the bottom, www.pmchurch.tv. You're looking for the brand new series, The Gift. Today's teaching, 40 days and 40 nights. When you find that, you click on a study guide, because it'll say study guide right beneath that title, and you'll get the same study guide that we have. You don't want to miss the back side of that study guide. Everybody gets one today. In fact, let's get it right down. Let's let's, let's just read Genesis 3.15 one more time. Be patient. Here come the ushers. They'll they'll get you. Keep your hand up. But we're going to read 3.15 one more time. God speaking. Christ. The pre-incarnate Christ. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, O serpent, and between your seed and her seed. And he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. I love the way Eugene Peterson in his rendition called the message. I love how he puts it, and you'll scribble scribble it down now, please, in your study guide. What does God say? What is the Creator saying? I am declaring war. There it is, I'm telling you. Bookended through Holy Scripture. I am declaring war between you and the woman. Look at the way the New Living Translation renders it. Jot it down. From now on, you and the woman will be enemies. Three chapters into this pristine, primeval story, and we are already at war. A war that will not only draw Adolf Hitler and Dietrich Bonhoeffer into its bloody vortex, but it has drawn you and me as well. This theme of war will continue through the entire Holy Scriptures. In fact, I was brooding over this message, this teaching, this last week, and it occurred to me that you can sum up all of sacred history This history of war, you can sum it up with one little triangle. The scholars who deal in sacred literature tell us that these triangles are actually called chiasms. The chiasm is a literary device to draw the reader's attention to what is most important of all. So that the author very skillfully sets up through parallel thoughts until he can get the reader to the pinnacle. The, the essence, it, it has no parallel. What's the, the summit will have no parallel. So it goes like this. Let me put it on the screen for I'll show you how a chiasm works. Uh, let's put that little triangle up. So at the bottom on one side, you're going to have A1 and there will be an opposite. This can be one verse. This can be an entire chapter. It can be an entire biblical book. I'm suggesting it's the entire Bible. Watch this. So. What's at the beginning will have a parallel at the end. Then you go a little further from the beginning. Then you're going to have B1. It'll have a parallel at the end. You go a little further and you're going to have C1 and it will have a parallel at the end. But the whole point of this chiasm by the writer is to get you to focus in on D, which is at the top. The summit, the apex, the unparalleled truth. It occurred to me this last week as I'm brooding over this passage. Wait a minute. The whole book is a chiasm. In fact, you think about it. Genesis begins, the Bible begins in Genesis with a garden, and it ends in Revelation with a garden. Isn't that true? Genesis 1 and 2 garden, Revelation 21 and 22 garden. Jot it down, will you? Let's put it on the screen. You can go and fill that, flip it over, because this is the backside of your study guide, which you need. Garden, Garden in the beginning. The chiasm of the Bible, garden in the beginning, garden at the end. But immediately after the garden theme in Genesis, as we have just noted, this cosmic war theme is introduced. The question is, would we find the cosmic war theme right behind the garden in Revelation? Let's find out. Let's go to Revelation. So you're in the book of beginnings. Let's go to the book of endings. Our only two books today. Let's go to Revelation. Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12. Not surprisingly... Yep. There it is. Before the garden that ends the book, there's war. Revelation chapter 12, verse 7. It's page uh, 829 in your pew Bible. Revelation chapter 12, verse 7. And war. There it is. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels, the pre-incarnate Christ. Fought with the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought. Verse eight, but they did not. The dragon and his angels did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out. Hey, wait a minute. Who's this great dragon? Keep reading. So the great dragon was cast out. That serpent of old called the devil and Satan serpent. There it is. There's the Genesis serpent. That serpent of old. Called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast out to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. That's that primordial war. But there's a war at the end of time. Just go to the, go to the last line of Revelation 12. Take a look at this. Verse, verse 17. This is the final generation. The, the last chapter of earth's history. And the dragon was enraged with the woman. And he went to make war with the rest of her offspring. That's how the New King James reads. The Greek word is sperma. You know what a sperm is? It's a male reproductive seed. It sperma means seed. You plant sperma in the ground. It's the same word. So it should read. And the dragon, how's it going here? And the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her seed, who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. There will be a war straight to the end of time. In fact, let's put it down. Jot it on your chiasm. On the back of your study guide, would you, would you uh, fill it out, please? War. Clearly, let's put it up. War on both sides. No question. Nobody's making this up. There it is. Parallel thinking all the way to a, to a thought that stands uniquely unparalleled and unrivaled. All right. So now we know. There's war. And by the way, it's not any old sort of war. It is a cosmic war, clearly. So would you put that down as the next step up? Let's put it down. In Genesis, you have the serpent versus the woman's seed, right in the capital S, by the way. You have the serpent versus the woman's seed. And in sure enough, in Revelation, you have the dragon versus the woman's seed, little s. Parallel, parallel, parallel. A garden, in the beginning, a garden that leads to war between the serpent and the woman. At the ending, a war between the dragon and the woman that leads back to the garden. Everything happens in reverse coming down that mountain on the other side. Any way you cut it, ladies and gentlemen, the simple truth is evident. For For the inhabitants of this planet, it is war from beginning to end. doesn't matter where you come from or what your major is. Don't care who you are or who your daddy is. Doesn't matter. You're in the war. Sucked in like all of us. Every earth child born into this planet is in war. I was visiting with a human being the other day who's been pinned down on the bloody crossfire of this war. Tears trickling down the cheeks. I tell you what, when you're an earth child and you have been morally shot up by the enemy, it is not a very pretty picture at all. I was visiting with another human being the other day who was also pinned down in the deadly crossfire of this war. Life ebbing away as the body is wasting away all because of an enemy implanted disease. When you're an earth child and you are physically under attack by the enemy, it is not a very pretty picture. And if we were all left with only these bloody photographs of the morally wounded and the physically slain, this decaying garden would turn out to be a hell of unprecedented proportions. But hallelujah, hallelujah, there's more to this triangle. There is the apex. There is the summit of unparalleled, unrivaled truth. We've got to get to that summit. We've hurried too, too quickly through these two passages. Let's go back to Genesis And see it tucked away there. Very cryptically here, but it's tucked away. Genesis chapter 3. Go back to Genesis 3, please. Verse 15. Let's read it again. The Creator speaking. And I will put enmity between you, serpent, and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we need to note this. The Creator is announcing when He declares war... Profound pronouncement. You can't believe this. You know what he's saying. I am going to implant in every human psyche, born into this planet, every human being will have implanted a hostility, a bias against evil. Every one of us, when we were born, implanted deep within, I don't care how dark, how dark the society you may have grown up in. It doesn't matter. Implanted deep within. And hostility, a bias. By the way, God did not plant a bias toward God. He could have. But then, time out, foul. You can't do that. It's a bias against evil, not a bias toward God. That's why no matter how dark our conscience, there still beats within every human heart a subliminal sense of right and wrong. You think about it. Were that hostility toward evil not implanted, we would be irretrievably, irreparably, irreversibly allied with the forces of darkness and we would be irredeemable. I cannot save the human race. He had to do this. They didn't have the advantage you had, Lucifer. I am planting in them a natural hostility to the premises of your kingdom. By the way, here's how it works. Let's make this practical. What difference will it make in my life? Ah, the next time, the next time that implanted hostility to evil begins to flash red in your conscience, do not smother it. Obey it. Obey it. If it's flashing red, stop. Somebody's telling you something. You already have that in you. You know what's right. And you know what's wrong. But here's the other, the flip side of that coin. The next time you're praying for a lost person, you can know his conscience, her conscience, is already on your side because of this implanted hostility to evil. Well, that's wonderful. You're already a step ahead when you pray for a lost person. She already, he already has that bias against darkness. Read it again. And I will put enmity... Verse 15, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed, and he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Whoa, wait a minute. God is not talking about everybody coming from the woman. We're all the seed of the woman. Eve is the mother of us all. But he's, the, the word is singular, which is why the New King James Version, which you have, the New King James Version capitalizes the S. What's God saying? God is saying... I am going to send into the stream of the human race one who will become just like you, born of a woman. And when he comes, the, the, the literal Hebrew reads, he will crush your head, O serpent. But in the moral conflict, you will crush his heel. What's that mean? I'll tell you what it means. While you were gone this summer, just before the end of the summer, by the way. The university resurfaced, beautiful black top around the circle in front of Pioneer. It's a lovely circle. You can drive it as many times as you want. You don't ever have to stop. You just keep going around and around. Don't forget the speed bump's always in the same place. Beautiful. So we saw this coming. And one day I drove up just as this massive, have you ever seen one of these? This huge steamroller. Have you ever seen these steamrollers? It is rolling over the steaming, hot, fresh tar, turning it, transforming it into a solid, rocky surface. So, question. Which would you rather have happen to you? That steamroller roll over your heel or roll over your head? Which would you prefer? Answer. I prefer neither. Of course. But that's God's point. I herewith put you on notice, O serpent, when the capital S seed comes, born of a woman into the human stream and race, when that seed arrives, he will steamroll your head. But in the mortal conflict, you will steamroll his heel. Precisely cryptic, but precisely the truth about Calvary, isn't it? Isn't that the truth about Calvary? When we go to the flip side of the chiasm and we go to Revelation, the apocalypse unlocks and says, yep, you read it right. Boy, girl, you read it right. Go right back one last time to Revelation 12. Take a look at this. Revelation chapter 12. Pick it up in verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice. Megalophone in the Greek. Loud. Megaphone. Megaphone. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now! Something has just happened. Now! salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of His Christ have come for the accuser of our brothers and sisters who has accused them before our God day and night has been cast down and they, the followers of Christ they overcame Him, the dragon by the blood of the Lamb code language in the apocalypse whenever you run into blood of the Lamb code language for Calvary because of Calvary they overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. There it is. Primeval mystery unlocked on the side of the triangle. No question, Calvary is front and center. When the seed, capital S, crushed the head of the serpent and won Look at this, Hebrews chapter chapter two, is this? Verse 14, Hebrews 2. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he Christ Himself likewise shared in the same. That through death, all right, Calvary, through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. I'm telling you, it is this is the truth. That little uh, apocalyptic classic, Great Controversy. I love this one line, Great Controversy. Could we put that on the screen, please? In the Savior's expiring cry, it is finished. It's Calvary, clearly. The death knell of Satan was rung. The Great Controversy, which had been so long in progress, was then decided. And the final eradication of evil was made certain. Ladies and gentlemen, there it is. The shining summit. The unparalleled, unrivaled truth in the universe. Put it at the top, please, of your of your chiasm, right at the top, at the cross, Christ defeated Satan. That's it. At the cross, Christ defeated Satan. You know what that means? Any claw hold He has in my life, that claw can be forcibly withdrawn. Any ball and chain that He has attached to my ankle, guilt from the past, Sins that I'm convinced I could never be forgiven have. I got a letter from a viewer who just opened up his heart in the middle of nowhere. Just reading it yesterday. You don't know how I struggle. You have no idea how I struggle. Is there any hope for me? I'm telling you what, my friends, there is hope. Because at Calvary, at the cross, at the cross, Christ, defeated, past tense, he has already defeated Satan. And guess what? By defeating Satan, he has already guaranteed the outcome of the war. God wins. God wins. Put a little cross at the top of your chiasm, will you? Put a little cross. You can make it as big as you wish. Because that's the unparalleled, unrivaled truth in all of sacred scripture. God wins. Because Christ has already defeated and triumphed over the enemy. And guess what? What? In Him, we can too. You say, How do I? Ah, the same way Jesus did. Let's say this is the gates of the garden. By the way, they're locked now. The garden's locked. These are the gates to the Garden of Eden, right here. Guess who's standing there? We already know. You have Christ Himself, and you have the fallen. You have the King of angels standing there with the fallen rebel angel. Isn't that right? Weren't they standing there together at the gates, the locked gates of the garden? The next time they will meet face to face. The next time they will meet, they'll be standing right here. The King of Angels has become, as born of a woman now, a seed in her tummy, and was birthed into the human race. The next time they meet face to face, hand to hand now, it's after 40 days and 40 nights of Jesus' baptism. Afterwards, they meet face to face again. Only now. The tables are turned. And the angel who has come, and he knows who the King of Angels is, the angel who has come paces about the emaciated form of this human being. And he says, "Ah, You know who I am. I know who you are. I think. So tell you what, if you're who you think you are, These stones and bread. Would it have been a temptation for Christ? 40 days and 40 nights without food? Mahatma Gandhi, the great peace protester in India, twice in his life went through a 21 day fast. No food. Water, but no food. I went online and found that the diary entry of a woman who has gone 56 days without food. Just water, and at the end, a little bit of diluted carrot juice. And as I was reading her diary entries and thinking, why would anybody, anybody endure this for any reason? And yet Moses did 40 days and 40 nights. Moses did twice. Elijah did 40 days and 40 nights. Just like Jesus. So why? Why Jesus? What's going on here? Ah, Truth be known, in that second showdown right here in the wilderness, Jesus has only two weapons. Do you understand that the two weapons that Jesus has were actually given to the human race at the gates of the lock, at the locked gates of the garden? Only two weapons. No nuclear power. No instant evaporation. Just two weapons. And when the taunt of the fallen angel to the king of angels is ended, Jesus reaches into his sheath and pulls out one sword. It is written. It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We've been over that story so many times, we know exactly how it's going to end. But what you don't know in that story, he has only the two weapons, the two gifts entrusted to the human race outside the log gates of the garden. In fact, I wish you'd scribble that down right now, will you? Two life-sustaining, battle-conquering gift weapons for a fallen race that could no longer enjoy and endure a face-to-face communion with their Creator. As Adam and Eve are sobbing outside that locked gate, God is looking into their, their, broken, their broken countenances. And he says, but you must know because of your sin, my glory will become more and more destructive to you. So while I am locking the gates to that garden, you need to know as well, I am not locking the gates to my kingdom. I am giving you two gifts right now. Two gifts. Exercise these gifts. Two gift weapons against our mortal enemy. We share the same enemy. What are the two gifts? Jot them down. Number one, the gift of prayer. Because God would desperately need to hear from us. What do you think Jesus was doing for 40 days and 40 nights? It was a gift of prayer. But a lot of people don't know that His second weapon... Sh- Jesus is actually like the Japanese samurai. He sh- put out two. The only two He has. The only two you have. First gift, the gift of prayer, you knew that one was there, but would you put this down, please? The second gift is the gift of prophecy. First gift prayer is because God would desperately need to hear from us and the gift of prophecy because we would desperately need to hear from God. God says, listen, I'm going to pick a certain man once in a while. I'm going to pick a certain woman once upon a time and I will communicate directly to them. And that human being will come to you and give you messages from me. Listen to the prophets very carefully. It's the only way I can commune with you. No more face to face. No more, no more ever until I come back and move in. So pull it out when the enemy's there. And that's what he did. You say, "Oh, come on. Jesus didn't pull out the gift of prophecy when he fought with, with Lucifer and uh, Satan. Let's call him Satan in the, in the wilderness. Oh, yes, he did. Who wrote those words? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Who wrote those words? The great prophet. The greatest of the prophets, Moses. Christ memorized Moses as a boy. He memorized the prophets. He had no scroll to open up. It's all here. And he pulls it out. And it's ready. Two gifts, weapons. Gift of prayer and the gift of prophecy. Because guess what? We have to have both to win in Christ the war. Two gifts. Gift weapons. Back, would you jot it down, please? Which is why both gifts, like a drawn sword, were wielded by Jesus in that desert battle. And the one before it, because I just skipped it. As it turns out, both gifts are strategic in the divine war plan for the human race. You got them both now. That's it. 40 days and 40 nights, he unsheathed both weapons and he's victorious. 40 days and 40 nights. That's a long time to pray. And yet today, first time in the 50-year history of Andrews University and the 51-year history of Pioneer Memorial Church, today, we are joining together in a consolidated 40 days of praying. Never before. Ever. What's up with that? I'll show you. Let me hold this book so you can see it. I want you to get this book. We got it for you. We, got it. We, we, we have it for you today. We have it for you back in the dormitory. You go to that uh, front desk into Lampson, Meyer, and Berman. We got it for you. We got enough for everybody. Can you see this title on the screen? 40 Days. What's the subtitle? Prayers and Devotions to Prepare for the Second Coming. Here's the deal we're going to start these 40 days on the same day together, September 1. That's just a few days away. That's Wednesday. And we're going to pray for 40 days and 40 nights. You say, oh, Dwight, there's no way I could pray 40 days and 40 nights. You, are you crazy? No, it's not, as, it's not as complicated as it sounds. Inside this little, this little, uh, this little booklet are 40 readings. They're pa- two pages. 40 readings. You read the reading. It's focusing on asking God to be filled with the mighty third person of the Godhead. Because you know what? That's the truth of the two gifts. The gift weapons, they're both the Holy Spirit. They're both in His domain. So you want to be victorious? You want this new year to be un- unlike any year you have ever lived in your life? Then you ask. You ask for the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So that's it. So there's, there's, there's a, you read day one, then there'll be day two and day three and so on. At the end of every little reading, there'll be a Bible promise to claim and a suggested prayer. You can do it in ten minutes. It's a piece of cake. But there's a little proviso that will make this more than just reading a book through. Because who wants to read a book through? you already got enough books you've got to read through this semester, I believe. Here's what you do. You pick a friend. You pick somebody you know. And you say, hey, you, you and me, will be partners through these 40 days. You don't have to get together with that friend and read it out loud together. You may. But the two of you, you get your, you have, do you have your uh, iPhone 4? If you pick a friend that has an iPhone 4, then you do this video thing together the whole time. And then give me yours when you're tired of it, huh? Because I need one of those. I don't. So, you can, you can, you can do it on the phone, you can do it, uh, while, you know, do it over a lunch break, whatever. But every day, here's the deal, every day you connect with that friend. Forty days and forty nights. And you claim the promises together. And you, ask the, you'll, you, you will ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit at the beginning of this uncharted journey. Oh, God, fill me. I want to live like Jesus. I want to live on the cutting edge with both weapons drawn in this war. Take me to the tree of peace every day. Take me to Calvary. Take me to that tree of peace. Take me, take me, take me. So that's what this book is for. There's one other little uh, suggestion in the praying. We're all being invited to do this. We have our prayer party. So everybody has a prayer party. You can have a spouse. sure. You can have your roommate. Please, you don't have to make this hard for yourself. Make it easy. Somebody who's close to you. Right? So every day we do this. But here's the deal. We're all being invited to include in our praying, not only ourselves. Me, 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 me. No. Pray for lost people. Five lost people. Boy, come on! You can come up with five lost people. I know you can. Five lost people that you know. Five human beings who are not in Christ, who need to be saved. I don't care who they are. It could be a father. It could be a mother. It could be a child. It could be a brother. It could be a neighbor. It could be a classmate. It could be a roommate. It doesn't matter. Five of them. Five. You want to have more? You may, but five. And every single day, you pray for those five. Every day. Wouldn't that be something? Every day. Look at if a thousand of us... we got enough books for everybody. If a thousand of us had five people a day we were praying for, that is 5,000 lost human beings that night and day will be remembered before the throne of God. I mean, can you imagine the impact that would have on our lives? Not to mention a thousand of us living in the same space together, doing the same thing. Wow! So that's the deal. Pick up your book when you leave. Be right here to all the greeting stations. You're undergrad, you want to go to the dorm. You got them right there. We got boxes of them for you. Pick it up. You're in the academy. They got them at the front desk. You say, Dwight, I'm not in the dorm. I'm a university student. Fine, pick it up here. Is it for all the rest of us? Pick it up. Oh, by the way, if you'd like to put a little donation, put it right there. There'll be a place to give a donation. This only to cover the cost. We had this specially printed, designed. For us right here, you're going to be blessed. Seventy of us secretly did this at the beginning of this calendar year. We didn't make any fanfare about it, didn't tell a soul about it. But we went through the 40 days and 40 nights together. And when we sat in the huddle, 70 of us, and we said, how did it go? Hands down, the conviction was we've got to do this, all of us, together. You'll never be the same again. I promise. Forty days and 40 nights You'll be taking the gift of prophecy and Holy Scripture and the gift of prayer. And with two swords and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, you will move straight ahead in victory. Forty days, forty nights. Grab your book as you leave. Facebook, we'll have a page on Facebook. You got stories to share? Go right to Facebook. It's already there waiting for you. Thank you, Richard Parks. Got that page ready for you. We're ready to go, guys. We've never done it before. Don't you think the time is about right that we join together in prayer? I mean, I'm, I'm watching this economy. I heard the president talk about the economy in his uh, address to the whole campus on Thursday. The brightest minds on earth have no clue. They're whistling in the dark past the cemetery. Nobody knows. Will it bounce out? I don't know. But the the unsettledness of the of, of the planet. Some people are. Well, we're on the verge of something. We don't know what it is. Guys, this is the time to pray. Forty days and forty nights. God bless you.